Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, May 4th. In Revelation 1.8, Yeshua says about himself, I am the Alpha and Omega, the Olive and Tav, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Did you know that if you read Genesis 1.1 in Hebrew, there is an Olive Tav right smack dab in the middle of that verse? Truly, Yeshua, the Olive Tav, is there in the beginning and the end. So, if you were reading your Bible in Hebrew, whenever you come across Aleph Tav, this is a direct reference to Yeshua. The acronym for Daily Audio Torah is D-A-T. In Hebrew, that is Dalit Aleph Tav. When you unpack that in the ancient Hebrew picture language, what it means is this, doorway to the Aleph Tav. The Daily Audio Torah is your doorway to the Aleph Tav, your doorway to Yeshua. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Emor, and it means, say. Leviticus 23, 23-44 The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. On the first day of the appointed month in early autumn, you are to observe a day of complete rest. It will be an official day for holy assembly, a day commemorated with loud blasts of a trumpet. You must do no ordinary work on that day. Instead, you are to present special gifts to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Be careful to celebrate the Day of Atonement on the tenth day of that same month, nine days after the Festival of Trumpets. You must observe it as an official day for holy assembly, a day to deny yourselves and present special gifts to the Lord. Do no work during that day, because it is the Day of Atonement, when offerings of purification are made for you, making you right with the Lord your God. All who do not deny themselves that day will be cut off from God's people, and I will destroy anyone among you who does any work on that day. You must do no work at all. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation 
wherever you live. This will be a Sabbath day of complete rest for you, and on that day you must deny yourselves. This day of rest will begin at sundown on the ninth day of the month and extend until sundown on the tenth day. And the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Begin celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles on the fifteenth day of the appointed month, five days after the Day of Atonement. This festival to the Lord will last for seven days. On the first day of the festival, you must proclaim an official day for holy assembly, when you do no ordinary work. For seven days you must present special gifts to the Lord. The eighth day is another holy day on which you present your special gifts to the Lord. This will be a solemn occasion, and no ordinary work may be done on that day. These are the Lord's appointed festivals. Celebrate them each year as official days for holy assembly by presenting special gifts to the Lord, burnt offerings, grain offerings, sacrifices, and liquid offerings, each on its proper day. These festivals must be observed in addition to the Lord's regular Sabbath days, and the offerings are in addition to your personal gifts, the offerings you give to fulfill your vows, and the voluntary offerings you present to the Lord. Remember that this seven-day festival to the Lord, the festival of tabernacles, begins on the fifteenth day of the appointed month after you have harvested all the produce of the land. The first day and the eighth day of the feast will be days of complete rest. On the first day, gather branches from magnificent trees, palm fronds, boughs from leafy trees, and willows that grow by the streams. Then celebrate with joy before the Lord your God for seven days. You must observe this festival to the Lord for seven days every year. This is a permanent law for you and it must be observed in the appointed month from generation to generation. For seven days you must live outside in little shelters, in sukkah. All native-born Israelites must live in sukkahs. This will remind each new generation of Israelites that I made their ancestors live in sukkahs or tents when I rescued them from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses gave the Israelites these instructions regarding the annual feasts of the Lord. Judges 19.1-24 Now in those days Israel had no king. There was a man from the tribe of Levi living in a remote area of the hill country of Ephraim. One day he brought home a woman from Bethlehem in Judah to be his concubine, but she became angry with him and returned to her father's home in Bethlehem. After about four months her husband set out for Bethlehem to speak personally to her and persuade her to come back. He took with him a servant and a pair of donkeys. When he arrived at her father's house, her father saw him and welcomed him. Her father urged him to stay a while, so he stayed three days, eating, drinking, and sleeping there. On the fourth day the man was up early, ready to leave, but the woman's father said to his son-in-law, Have something to eat before you go. So the two men sat down together and had something to eat and drink. Then the woman's father said, Please stay another night and enjoy yourself. The man got up to leave, but his father-in-law kept urging him to stay. 
so he finally gave in and stayed the night. On the morning of the fifth day, he was up early again, ready to leave, and again the woman's father said, Have something to eat. Then you can leave later this afternoon. So they had another day of feasting. Later, as the man and his concubine and servant were preparing to leave, his father-in-law said, Look, it's almost evening. Stay the night and enjoy yourself. Tomorrow you can get up early and be on your way. But this time the man was determined to leave, so he took his two saddled donkeys and his concubine and headed in the direction of Jebus, that is, Jerusalem. It was late in the day when they neared Jebus, and the man's servant said to him, Let's stop at this Jebusite town and spend the night there. No, his master said, we can't stay in this foreign town where there are no Israelites. Instead, we will go on to Gibeah. Come on, let's try to get as far as Gabiah or Ramah, and we'll spend the night in one of those towns. So they went on. The sun was setting as they came to Gabiah, a town in the land of Benjamin, so they stopped there to spend the night. They rested in the town square, but no one took them in for the night. That evening, an old man came home from his work in the fields. He was from the hill country of Ephraim, but he was living in Gabiah, where the people were from the tribe of Benjamin. When he saw the travelers sitting in the town square, he asked them where they were from and where they were going. We have been in Bethlehem in Judah, the man replied. We are on our way to a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim, which is my home. I traveled to Bethlehem, and now I am returning home. But no one has taken us in for the night, even though we have everything we need. We have straw and feed for our donkeys and plenty of bread and wine for ourselves. You are welcome to stay with me, the old man said. I will give you anything you might need, but whatever you do, don't spend the night in the square. So he took them home with him and fed the donkeys. After they washed their feet, they ate and drank together. While they were enjoying themselves, a crowd of troublemakers from the town surrounded the house. They began beating at the door and shouting to the old man, Bring out the man who is staying with you so we can have sex with him. The old man stepped outside to talk to them. No, my brothers, don't do such an evil thing, for this man is a guest in my home, and such a thing would be shameful. Here, take my virgin daughter and this man's concubine. I will bring them out to you, and you can abuse them and do whatever you like. But don't do such a shameful thing to this man. But they wouldn't listen to him. So the Levite took hold of his concubine and pushed her out the door. The men of the town abused her all night taking turns raping her until morning. Finally, at dawn, they let her go. At daybreak, the woman returned to the house where her husband was staying. She collapsed at the door of the house and lay there until it was light. When her husband opened the door to leave, there lay his concubine with her hands on the threshold. He said, Get up, let's go. But there was no answer. So he put her body on his donkey and took her home. When he got home, he took a knife and cut his concubine's body into twelve pieces. Then he sent one piece to each tribe throughout all the territory of Israel. Everyone who saw it said, Such a horrible crime has not been committed in all the time since Israel left Egypt. Think about it. What are we going to do? Who's going to speak up? Then all the Israelites were united as one man, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south including those from across the Jordan in the land of Gilead. The entire community assembled in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. 
the leaders of all the people and all the tribes of Israel, 400,000 warriors armed with swords, took their positions in the assembly of the people of God. Word soon reached the land of Benjamin that the other tribes had gone up to Mizpah. The Israelites then asked how this terrible crime had happened. The Levite, the husband of the woman who had been murdered, said, My concubine and I came to spend the night in Gabeah, a town that belongs to the people of Benjamin. That night some of the leading citizens of Gabeah surrounded the house, planning to kill me, and they raped my concubine until she was dead. So I cut her body into twelve pieces, and sent the pieces throughout the territory assigned to Israel, for these men have committed a terrible and shameful crime. Now then, all of you, the entire community of Israel must decide here and now what should be done about this. And all the people rose to their feet in unison and declared, None of us will return home. No, not even one of us. Instead, this is what we will do to Gibeah. We will draw lots to decide who will attack it. One-tenth of the men from each tribe will be chosen to supply the warriors with food, and the rest of us will take revenge on Gabeah of Benjamin for this shameful thing they have done in Israel. So all the Israelites were completely united, and they gathered together to attack the town. The Israelites sent messengers to the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What a terrible thing has been done among you! Give up those evil men, those troublemakers from Gabeah, so we can execute them and purge Israel of this evil. But the men of Benjamin would not listen. Instead, they came from their towns and gathered at Gabeah to fight the Israelites. In all, 26,000 of their warriors, armed with swords, arrived in Gabeah to join the 700 elite troops who lived there. Among Benjamin's elite troops, 700 were left-handed, and each of them could sling a rock and hit a target within a hair's breadth without missing. Israel had 400,000 experienced soldiers armed with swords, not counting Benjamin's warriors. Before the battle, the Israelites went to Bethel and asked God which tribe should go first to attack the people of Benjamin. The Lord answered, Judah is to go first. So the Israelites left early the next morning and camped near Gabeah. Then they advanced toward Gabeah to attack the men of Benjamin. But Benjamin's warriors, who were defending the town, came out and killed 22,000 Israelites on the battlefield that day. But the Israelites encouraged each other and took their positions again at the same place they had fought the previous day. For they had gone up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord until evening. They had asked the Lord, Should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again? And the Lord had said, Go out and fight against them. So the next day they went out again to fight against the men of Benjamin. But the men of Benjamin killed another 18,000 Israelites, all of whom were experienced with the sword. Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted until evening. They also brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. The Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. In those days the Ark of the Covenant of God was in Bethel, and Phinehas, son of Eleazar and grandson of Aaron, was the priest. The Israelites asked the Lord, Should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again, or should we stop? The Lord said, Go, tomorrow I will hand them over to you. So the Israelites set an ambush all around Gabeah, 
They went out on the third day and took their positions at the same place as before. When the men of Benjamin came out to attack, they were drawn away from the town. And as they had done before, they began to kill the Israelites. About thirty Israelites died in the open fields and along the roads, one leading to Bethel and the other leading back to Gabeah. Then the warriors of Benjamin shouted, We're defeating them as we did before. But the Israelites had planned in advance to run away so that the men of Benjamin would chase them along the roads and be drawn away from the town. When the main group of Israelite warriors reached Baal Tamar, they turned and took up their positions. Meanwhile, the Israelites hiding in ambush to the west of Gabeah jumped up to fight. There were 10,000 elite Israelite troops who advanced against Gabeah. The fighting was so heavy that Benjamin didn't realize the impending disaster. So the Lord helped Israel defeat Benjamin, and that day the Israelites killed 25,100 of Benjamin's warriors, all of whom were experienced swordsmen. Then the men of Benjamin saw that they were beaten. The Israelites had retreated from Benjamin's warriors in order to give those hiding in ambush more room to maneuver against Gabeah. Then those who were hiding rushed in from all sides and killed everyone in the town. They had arranged to send up a large cloud of smoke from the town as a signal. When the Israelites saw the smoke, they turned and attacked Benjamin's warriors. By that time, Benjamin's warriors had killed about 30 Israelites, and they shouted, We're defeating them as we did in the first battle. But when the warriors of Benjamin looked behind them and saw the smoke rising into the sky from every part of the town, the men of Israel turned and attacked. At this point, the men of Benjamin became terrified because they realized disaster was close at hand. So they turned around and fled before the Israelites toward the wilderness. But they couldn't escape the battle, and the people who came out of the nearby towns were also killed. The Israelites surrounded the men of Benjamin and chased them relentlessly, finally overtaking them east of Gabeah. That day, 18,000 of Benjamin's strongest warriors died in battle. The survivors fled into the wilderness toward the Rock of Rimmon, but Israel killed 5,000 of them along the road. They continued the chase until they had killed another 2,000 near Gidom. So that day the tribe of Benjamin lost 25,000 strong warriors armed with swords, leaving only 600 men who escaped to the Rock of Rimmon, where they lived for four months. And the Israelites returned and slaughtered every living thing in all the towns, the people, the livestock, and everything they found. They also burned down all the towns they came to. John 3.22-4.3 Then Yeshua and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Yeshua spent time with them, baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Enon, near Salim, because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people, and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, No one can receive anything 
unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few people He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few people believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the Spirit without limit. The Father loves his Son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Yeshua knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Yeshua himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Psalm 104, 24-35 O Lord, what a variety of things you have made! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of of your creatures. Here is the ocean, vast and wide, teeming with life of every kind, both large and small. See the ships sailing along and Leviathan, which you made to play in the sea. They all depend on you to give them food as they need it. When you supply it, they gather it. You open your hand to feed them, and they are richly satisfied. But if you turn away from them, they panic. When you take away their breath, they die and turn again to dust. When you give them your breath, life is created, and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord continue forever. The Lord takes pleasure in all he has made. The earth trembles at his glance, the mountains smoke at his touch. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise my God to my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let all sinners vanish from the face of the earth. Let the wicked disappear forever. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 14, 22-24 If you plan to do evil, you will be lost. If you plan to do good, you will receive unfailing love and faithfulness. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Wealth is a crown for the wise. The effort of fools yields only foolishness. I'm going to depart from the reading today and share something else on a topic that I want to address. And that topic is the cancel culture. The cancel Culture is a cancer to our society. We have seen the effects of it. People have been deplatformed and kicked off of YouTube and off of Facebook and off of Twitter. 
Voices have been silenced, and they've had to go to alternative platforms such as Rumble and Truth Social. And the whole cancel culture comes from the woke far left that will just make you invisible. We won't allow your voice to be heard. This has been maddening and infuriating. Conservatives and patriots don't want to take to the streets. They don't want violence. They simply want their voice to be heard. And we are seeing our Constitution being shredded and our Bill of Rights being flushed down the toilet, the right to freely assemble, the right to have a dissenting voice, the right to have a vote that counts and that matters. But this cancel culture is not just in our culture and in our society and on in the media and in politics and in government. It affects personal relationships. Recently, I have been canceled by some family members, a sister, a daughter-in-law, and a son. And it all happened right about the same time. And did I do anything obnoxious or mean? No. It was absolutely without any logic or reason. It's just, they've decided to cancel me. The door has been slammed in my face. They won't answer phone calls or texts. They won't respond. I'm invisible. I have been canceled by them. And I, 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 it's been deeply hurtful, very grievous, and even maddening and infuriating. And as I've prayed about this and said, Lord, what is going on? I have tried to be reconciled to these people. I have humbled myself. I have said, if I have offended you, please forgive me. Let's make this right in a true Matthew 18, 15 spirit. And nope, the door is still slammed shut in my face. So I've prayed and I said, Lord, what is going on here? And what he brought to my mind and to my heart is right out of Second Timothy chapter 3. And he basically impressed upon me, spoke to my heart that we're living in Second Timothy chapter 3 days right now. We're living it. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. What if those such people include family members, people close to you, people that you love? He gives his instruction. From such people, turn away. And so with great sorrow and sadness and grief in my heart, that's exactly what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to just turn away. Now, in the meantime, I want to make sure my heart stays in the right place. We need to check our own heart. Remember the words of Yeshua 
As he was dying on the cross, he said to the Father as a prayer, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that is my prayer. Father, forgive these people, these family members of mine. They don't know what they're doing. You can't love if you don't have Yeshua in your heart. At least you can't love with God's unconditional love. You may have a worldly kind of a love, but not the unconditional love of the Father. What about this cancel culture then? I see people doing that to each other in family relationships, in personal relationships, not just in media platforms, in social media, or in the news media. I mean, they canceled Tucker Carlson. They basically fired him, and no more will he be on Fox News anymore. He's been canceled. Now, of course, he's going to find another platform. But it's a cancer in our society. And it's about this end times beast system that is rising that wants total control. You have to follow their narrative and their way of thinking and their agenda or you'll be canceled. And with the onset of the CBDC, the central bank digital currency, FedNow digital currency, which is rolling out July 1st, and will affect payments at Amazon and PayPal and Venmo and other places. You won't be paying Amazon when you buy something. Instead, it'll go through FedNow and they'll finish the transaction. And that digital currency is dangerous. It's programmable. And they can intervene and cancel a transaction for whatever reason. So the cancel culture is coming into our money supply and the way that we are able to buy and sell. They'll be able to cancel transactions. So what do we do with this cancel culture business? Well, I want to come to Isaiah chapter 62. And in Isaiah chapter 62, verses 6 and seven, it says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem, and they will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. In other words, I will not be silent. The watchman on the wall who's watching over Israel and Jerusalem, will not be silent. And if you're a watchman, or I'm a watchman, and we're watching these evil events unfolding, we will not be, don't be silenced. Do not allow the cancel culture to silence you. Find an alternative platform where you can speak. Make new relationships with people who value you and who love you, who appreciate you, who respect you, for, who value you for who you are. And if you have been canceled by family members, we need to forgive them and move on. With such people, turn away. As painful and as difficult as it is. And how else can we deal with this cancel culture? We have to respond in the opposite spirit. We are to be people who are filled and overflowing with the love of Yeshua. 
So I'm going to just read a few scriptures to you about this love. Because it's this love inside of us that you refuse to allow the flame of love to be extinguished in your heart. Keep on loving others, especially people of the faith. Romans 13.8 Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. 1 Thessalonians 4.9 But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you heard before. 1 John 3.11 This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. 1 John 3.23 And this is His commandment. We must believe in the name of His Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, and love one another just as He commanded us. And 2 John Chapter 1, verse 6, love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. So, may we love each other fervently, and not allow the flame of love in our hearts to be extinguished because of the cancel culture that is out there. May those on the outside Look at us in the faith and say, see how they love one another. And may that be a witness and a testimony to them. I want what they have. So don't be surprised if someone in your circle has become like an ice cube and a brick wall. We're living in the last days. It has been prophesied that the love of most would grow cold. Forgive them and keep on loving. Have a blessed day. Adonai, The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.